This is MC Funk coming to you from the city of no's dark alleys where everybody is getting booked because it's the place to be. The end is near and so I face the final curtain My friend I'll say it clear I'll state my case of which I'm certain Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. The book we're going to be talking about tonight is Frank Sinatra in a Blender by Matthew McBride. A little bit about the author. Matthew McBride wrote a novel called Frank Sinatra in a Blender. He is represented by Stacia Decker and the Donald Mass Literary Agency. He's been published in Plots with Guns, Crime Factory, bear with me, this is a long list, Needle, A Twist of Noir, The Flash Fiction Offensive, Darkest Before the Dawn, <sighs> Powder Burn Flash, Thrillers, Killers, and Chillers, Deer and Deer Hunting, Yellow Mama, Shotgun Honey, Crime Spree Magazine, Beat to a Pulp, Round 2, which is an anthology, uh, and both of the Noir at the Bar anthologies. Yeah, as promised, Frank Sinatra in a Blender. We've been mentioning this on and off for a while now. Yeah, um, we have. <laughs> Thank you for confirming that for I, me. Sometimes I don't. I'm not really good with like the banter. That's okay. Uh, let's just talk about a book. Let's talk about this book. Um, here is the synopsis for Frank Sinatra in a Blender. Sometimes solving a crime takes a hard guy who's not afraid to work outside the law. And PI Nick Valentine swerves through the underbelly of St. Louis looking for answers. With every law he breaks, every drink he takes, and every oxycontin he snorts, Valentine lurches closer to finding the truth, or floating face down in the Missouri River. Brutally funny, wild, this no-holds-barred crime novel reads like Elmore Leonard on meth. Crazy and addictive. You'll want more. Hey, we read Elmore Leonard earlier this year. We did. We did. I was thinking what you were talking about, but justified, yes. Can I tell you, and I realize this might be a crime to say with some of the slant of the listeners we have, I read uh, Get Shorty Okay. years ago. Really didn't like it. Ooh. Yeah, so I got to say right now, if I had to pick between reading another Matthew McBride book and an Elmo Leonard book, I'm going with Matthew McBride. Did you just say Elmo Leonard? I did say Elmo Leonard. That's an inside <laughs> joke that only Rob is going to get. So, uh. But yeah, Elmo Leonard. <laughs> All right. Um, pretty good synopsis. It's pretty much everything you need to know about the story in general, but we can go into a little bit more uh detail with it um we should do that or these podcasts would be really really short yeah it's like <laughs> keep reading and that's it yeah. yeah here's the synopsis let's talk about some other stuff um so the story starts out with uh crime uh, a, like a bank robbery essentially that takes place it's a credit union yeah but credit union robbery just doesn't have that kind of ring to it I know, but that's from the book where the guy corrects him and says it's a credit union. I know. Got, never mind. No, yeah, I know. I was trying to play along with it. Okay, okay. all right. So there's a robbery at a credit union, and um, uh, they these these group of people basically make off with a giant pile of money, which is basically the plot for the whole story is different groups of people who are trying to get after this money, or you know, the police are trying to find it. There's groups of different kind of groups of criminals that are trying to get their hands on it so they can keep it everybody's double crossing everybody it's pretty crazy 
And at the heart of it all is a uh, former police officer, Nick Valentine, who's now uh, basically, as the synopsis said, kind of a drunk and a private investigator who's a, who occasionally consults for his former, um, his former employer on the police department. Um, but Nick, as you may have taken from the story, isn't like the straightest of, of arrows. And <laughs> Nick is, while he's working with the police to find this money, eh, he doesn't think it's such a bad idea if he happens to find it without the police knowing about it. Yeah. And as Libya's alluded to, but did not give, I think, enough credit for, the man is like a Olympic gold medal drinker. Um, throughout the book, from when you're first introduced to the dude to the very like last moment, essentially, this guy is constantly pouring alcohol into his face. Um, there's a little bit of like you know prescription and recreational drug use as well, but there is a profound amount of alcohol to the point where. I've I in the book in the reading the book started thinking to myself, man, I don't I've been slacking in my drinking lately. <laughs> I don't drink nearly enough. Dude, the best part about this guy though is because you read books that are about drunks and it's you know they're constantly drinking beer or they're constantly drinking whiskey. Fucking Dick Valentine, man. There is not a drink he met that he didn't like. Like he's like, I'll drink some of this wine, <laughs> then I'll have some Southern Comfort, and then I'll have some wild turkey. Like everything yeah. is good by him. Yeah, even like random schnapps and stuff. Yep. Any yeah, pretty much like any port in a storm. The dude was just like, but I mean, it was just like, it seemed like, in any given situation, he was just ordering something different. So it wasn't like, you've got a guy who's this habitual. I always drink the same thing, you know, kind right. of guy. Like mm-hmm. the big Lebowski is always drinking white Russians, right, Livius? Yes. Sure. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I was just trying to, again, call you out on the fact that you don't watch good movies. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, this dude's just drinking, like, you know, he'll order four drinks, a round of drinks for himself, basically, like a couple shots of this, a beer, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the next time around, he's ordering four completely different drinks. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. The man is just, like, you know, an all an equal opportunity, just lush. It's just awesome stuff. Everything I do with him drinking is there's this part where he's he's driving in his car and I think it's right after something like just awful happens. He's driving away and he like sees a bottle. I don't remember what it was, but he's like, it looked like there might still be a drink in that bottle that's sitting like on the floorboard of his car. Yeah, it was yeah, yep. And like two chapters later he comes back to it and drinks it. Like it's that instant. Like he notices, files it away for future use, and then comes back to it. It was just fantastic. I think he was at one point actually mixing screwdrivers while driving. Yeah. He was he was yeah. like making mixed drinks for himself while he was driving, obviously, you know, recklessly and drunk. Here's the whole thing. I don't drink very often, but Nick Valentine, man, he made me want to become an alcoholic a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah, and, and it's not like glorifying in that way where like, um, you're like, oh, that guy's a loser, but he's like hard, like Charles Bukowski, you know, mm-hmm. glorified being drunk in a way that you know he was like the worst person in the world, but like, in a way, you know, he he brought it to a, a level. But this this character just, it, it's like, <laughs> it's more like a sport than it is like a, a burden or or a vice or an mm-hmm. affliction or an addiction or anything. It's like, he's a sport drinker. It's the only way I could say it. All right. Now to be fair, he does abstain and he did recently quit caffeine and cigarettes. So that makes it okay. It's true. Yeah. He is a man of self-control after all. Yeah. All right. We should probably get off the drink. <laughs> talk about some of the rest of this story. 
Um, so there's an entire cast of characters. Um, you know, you're pretty standard. You've got uh, you've got the two guys that, uh, not to give too much away, but they work for a mobster and they're trying to, uh, you know, they're on their own. They're on their own ticket too. The the boss says you guys got to find this money, and they want to find the money. And if they do, they also want to abscond with it. So no no one's being honest about their their intentions regarding this money. Yep. And then there's the dudes that um that Valentine seems like he's a little more uh, hooked up with that he goes to for information when stuff's going down and uh, and and like so the these two guys are also trying to get a hold of the money. Um, so that they can hold on to it for themselves. You've got the police. Um, the chief of police is good friends with uh, Valentine's father, who, who died in the line of duty. So uh, there's a strong bond between Valentine and, and the police force, and they're using him as a private investigator you know, to, to consult on this crime and uh, to help out. So, there's yeah, there's definitely a lot of interested parties. So this is... Um... You know, in the scope, if you guys are listening to it, it sounds like, a, a, you know, a dozen different movies that, that you may have seen where everybody's out to get that one thing, whatever it is. If it was, you know, Pulp Fiction or Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, um, you know, the concept of everybody being after the money isn't isn't new, you know, by any stretch. But um, what really makes this fresh is the characters. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Uh, you know who we haven't mentioned yet? Uh, Frank Sinatra in the title. We have not mentioned Frank Sinatra yet. So Frank Sinatra, do you want to you want to do this or should I? Frank Sinatra um, is a well-known American singer from the late. I don't know when's Frank Sinatra from. At any rate, <laughs> Frank Sinatra is the name of Nick Valentine's uh, dog. His very very small dog. His Yorkshire Terrier slash something else mix of a dog, who uh, is just like the funniest character in the book because. Um, so obviously Nick Valentine, like any good private investigator, has a shitty office somewhere that he lives out of, and um, uh, and Frank Sinatra stays there with him, obviously. And the scenes that take place in his office are fantastic because it's just this little ball of energy, pretty much dictating everything that's going on with Valentine because. He's got to feed him. He's got to walk him. He's got to, you know, do all these different things, and uh, and it's just it's this little adorable dog that does weird stuff and pees on everything, basically. Because that's what cute little dogs do. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Other than that, I don't think we can really talk much more about uh, about the story without exposing um, too much of the plot. Um, the one thing I do want to say is. Uh, so I first started reading this, and there's there's the two, you know, I'll just call them the two thugs that, that are like the mobster guys who are out to get this money. And, uh, you know, at first, I really couldn't stand them at all. And it's probably about two-thirds of the way into the book. And I shouldn't say I couldn't stand them. What I couldn't stand was pulling away from Valentine to these other guys all the time. You yeah. know, so it's kind of a back and forth. Valentine's a, a first person, um, and then you go, you know, omnipotent narrator for everybody else. And then I realized that those two guys are just goddamn awesome. The conversations they have and the little anecdotes back and forth between one another were, were equally as fantastic. And I didn't notice it enough because I was kind of to that point of let's just get back to Valentine. Let's let's get back to the drunk with the dog that that, that you know that you love. And, and you know, but it, it took a while for me to get to realize how much I was enjoying these guys, and that was kind of overshadowed by the fact that I wish we'd stop pulling away from Nick. I agree with that. Um, 
another thing I wanted to mention was somehow we we managed to neglect mentioning that one of the cops, the main investigators for the for this crime, is a, a former formerly Amish dude who uh, is like the by the book super detective who does everything right and is very. Um, it's funny because he's working with Valentine on this thing, but he's so by the book and he's so observant that he, you know, really complicates things for Valentine who's kind of playing both sides. And it's just funny because, like, the ra- the random few times they talk about Amish people, they're talking about, like, uh, him driving around in a buggy and stuff. So it's it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some good stuff there. And, and one more note of mention, although he only makes two brief appearances in this uh in this book is a uh, detective Dan O'Shea. That's what are the chances? Right. Yeah. What are the chances it, for the super listeners of, of books? You'll recognize that name from when we went to the Flossed screening, not so long ago. Dan O'Shea is a crime writer who lives in Chicago. And, um, uh, I'm assuming was the inspiration for this character's name because, um, McBride and Dan O'Shea are represented by the same literary agent. So I'm assuming there's a little bit of like an homage somewhere in there. And Dan O'Shea has an epic mustache. Oh, and there was a mention of an epic mustache in this book too. Maybe that's, maybe the mustache and Dan O'Shea were, were inspirations for the character and the epic mustache. This is possible. All of it could all just be coincidence. Could be coincidence. I could be reading too much into the mustache. <laughs> do you want to get on with some quotes? You can't do all twenty-two of them. I yeah yeah. I warned Livius. I got twenty-two quotes. Uh, you have much less than that. I'm taking it. I have. I believe it's fifteen. All right. Can I can I start? Yeah, go I'd for like it. To start because this first one's from page six. Um. A private detective can make enough dough to scrape by as long as people keep raping, cheating, and killing each other. Lately, I didn't seem to have any lack of work. Yeah. Um, I'm going to do two quick ones back to back. This first one, um, it's going to be a little out of context, but um, just a little funny thing right at the beginning. It's all or nothing for a guy like me, a guy who appreciates funny suicide notes. Um, and then a demonstration of his drinking prowess. Um, I did the first shot of crown, then chased it with the second shot, followed by a long drink of beer. I squeezed the lime into my mouth and took a shallow breath. Fuck me. The rush almost knocked me over. I'm also going to do two because they're very related, even though they're a few paragraphs apart. And I think that this, um, kind of exemplifies the kind of guy that, uh, that Nick is, um, you know, outside from his drinking. I walked down the steps to get my newspaper from the sidewalk, assuming there was a paper. I didn't have a subscription, but more often than not, I could find a paper if I looked hard enough. (laughs) And then this is a little bit later down the page. I took a deep breath and opened my paper, only to find it was from the 15th of November, and this was the 21st. That was the downside to a free subscription. Sometimes you got yesterday's news. Not bad. Hey, you know what else is kind of cool about that? What? Today's the 15th of November. Hey, what are the chances? Well, it's very time. One in 365. Uh, yeah. Uh, the uh, the thugs that work for the, the mob guy, this is kind of a demonstration of just how evil they can be. While most would hesitate to call it a sport, there was just something about torturing a man that brought out the competitive nature in the two of them. 
<laughs> and then torture scenes are just brutal, brutal, brutal stuff. Um, hey, I want to I wanna make another mention of something that, um, you know, we overlooked mentioning earlier. It's only because I bookmarked it as a quote. Also, the place with the best coffee in the entire world is mentioned in this book, the Meshuggah, Ca- uh, the Meshuggah Coffee House. Damn it, I forgot to. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, because it takes place in St. Louis, so. Um, when he, it's funny too, because when I saw that part, he mentioned the Loop, which is the area of St. Louis that the Meshuggah Cafe is located mm-hmm. in, and I was like, oh, he's going in the Loop. We were there. I wonder if, and then it happened. And I was like, yes, that's awesome. I do one. This one's a little longer. This is a situation that uh, Nick comes across, and this is his uh, his thought process on uh, how he wants to proceed with this. We walked out of Rosebuds, and I felt like depositing the contents of my stomach in the parking lot. There were internet sites that paid good money for that kind of thing, but I didn't understand the appeal. No matter how much I tried to distance myself from the thought, I couldn't believe the guy who'd just made my pancakes could film his own sister blowing a Dalmatian. In my mind, I vowed never to return, but there was another part of me, a hungrier part of me, which thought about a future with free breakfast now that I knew Rosebud's secret. I could stop by for lunch, too. Before long, I'd have all my meals there, but still, my image of the fireman's best friend was forever tainted. That yeah, and that that's kind of a demonstration of more uh, the uh, the the humor that you get out of this. It's a it's a crime story. It's very gritty and 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 stuff. But there's just some great humor, um, uh, such as this quote: "As a man with a lifelong appreciation of strippers and chili, I found something extraordinary about the idea of combining both of them under one roof." <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Strippers and chili, guys. All right, I'm going to do just one more, and then i got to be done, because if not, we're just going to turn into an audiobook. As I greeted the initial feelings of intoxication with open arms, I began to notice my thoughts becoming more lucid with every drink I mixed. Like a lightning bolt from above, I realized the core truth of my life. Drinking more made me a better detective. I was putting things together and filling in the blanks. One day, the world would marvel at my detective genius, and although the legacy I would leave behind would be littered with empty beer cans, at least I was leaving a trail of some kind to be discovered. That's the one. Oh, nice. Yeah. We both have that one bookmarked. <laughs> um, all right, I've got. I'm going to do a few more. Um, and damn, if there was just not some like just some hilarious moments in this book. Uh, talking about um, taking his dog out to use the bathroom. And uh, he's kind of being reflective about it. I should have just let him shit on a magazine like he usually did, but I wanted him to experience the awe of nature. (laughs) This is so beautiful. Uh, I'm going to do a few more. Um, I can't believe you took that one. That was awesome. I love that the intoxication makes him a better detective thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I have another one that I'll bet you we both have too. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to listen to the ones you have, but I'm just, I'm saying it right now. Oh, this is, oh, I do have a quote about, remember I said I think he was mixing drinks? Mm-hmm. Only an experienced drunk could mix a drink with one hand while navigating his way through a snowstorm at high speeds with the other. I'm going to do this one because um, when I, I did the thing again where I, I put a quote up on Facebook directly from my iPad using the new kind of thing where you can post quotes out of iBooks. And, um, in response, Jed Ayers uh, quoted a different part of the book, and I, I happened to have highlighted that part. Um, I'd always considered myself a gambling man, but combining both Chili and White Castle in the same sitting was like playing Russian roulette with your asshole. 
So, we'll shout out to Jed Ayers for for calling that one. That Jed, he brings the class, doesn't he? He, <laughs> he does. This was just a funny image. There was a there was a kind of a shootout, um, and then uh, these guys were the the thugs were kind of fleeing the scene. And, and there's a quick line that just says, "They fled the scene, each with a gun in one hand and a Bloody Mary in the other." <laughs> It was awesome. I have that bookmark too. By the it's way, so good. <laughs> um, here, oh, this is. I thought this was like one of the badass moments of the book. Um, he asked me what kind of burner I carried, and I told him a forty-five. Holy shit, that's a big gun. Told me he carried a thirty-eight special. Why do you use a forty-five? I told him they didn't make a forty-six. That's badass, if you ask me. And then, uh, <laughs> this is towards the very end of the book. Uh, and it calls back a quote that Livia said a little while ago. I reminded him in no uncertain terms, his freedom was only as secure as my next pancake. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll pretty much do it for quotes. Let me do a quick run through really quick. Uh, that should be pretty good. So there's Tons a scene. Of, yeah. I'm um, not going to read from this, but there is a scene that just cracked me up. Um, at one point. Nick, of course, is drunk, and I say that because you just have to understand he's drunk pretty much through the whole book. Um, <laughs> where he meets this, he, a lot of this takes place at, at a at a strip club that's got some some very you know attractive women working there. But at one point, he winds up in a bar across town that's a strip club, and that whole scene. This is like the like loser strip club, like where retired strippers go to work. And there's a scene where he gets involved with this stripper that's just fantastic. The whole thing is that he knows that he's drunk. And he knows the stripper is way below his standards, but he's trying to pretend that she's not. Absolutely fantastic. Actually, all right, I'm going to throw the quote out that I was considering doing and then I decided not to. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario, I ended up with a free handy and a mess to clean up. Worst case scenario, I ended up banging her, then shooting myself in the parking lot. <laughs> and I told you that we'd have that both book part. That's exactly what I was talking about. Oh, it's brilliant. Oh, genius, genius stuff. So, um. Mr. McBride managed to bring a just a thoroughly, thoroughly entertaining read. And you know what? We, we talk a lot about how funny it is. All the quotes, I think, demonstrated how you know witty and, and funny it was without being forced. Um, there's still a decent story behind this, too. So it's not just good humor. There is a good story. You do wonder how you know Nick is going to get into or get out of these situations. And he pulls it off really well. Yeah, yeah. Through and through, it's definitely a very good detective like slash crime kind of story and ready to do a wrap up oh, i'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna say and it sounds like we're about to do a wrap up we're about to do a wrap up would you like to go first um yeah i'll go first so um i mean it's gonna be pretty short and sweet and to the point um matt mcbride brought a lot of funny uh pretty gruesome gritty crime kind of story that was just a overall well constructed story. It's a it's a quick read that kind of keeps you going. It's kind of a page turner, and all throughout it's just entertaining. I love the Valentine character. I love what he did with Frank Sinatra, the dog, um, the drink, the epic, inspirational amount of drinking. Everything worked very well for me. So uh, I really really like the book. I'm gonna do four and a half stars. Yeah, Rob has all the bases covered there. Um, the thing about Nick Valentine is he's the protagonist that that you absolutely want to, you know, that, that you you love and, and you you want to root for. And he's like, 
It's like I always said to Phineas Poe, you just want to hug him. That's how I felt about Nick Valentine. Although that Nick maybe didn't really need a hug so much, you know, but you still want to do it. You absolutely love this guy. Uh, good story, funny. Um, the other characters, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm struggling to think of a character that I didn't, you know, find very amusing, you know, e even if it wasn't their character, but like some of their quirks, like there's a guy named Big Tony who has a character, he's okay, but he has a very significant coke problem, the same problem that Valentine has with, with drinking. So he's constantly doing coke in the most inappropriate places, which is just absolutely fantastic. So um, I'm going to I'm gonna do it, man. I'm going to pull the trigger on this one. Five stars. I absolutely love this book. Boom. That just happened. <laughs> that just happened. Good stuff. Matthew McBride, um, from the, you know, the few things that I've read of him I've just really enjoyed everything and from really straight up crime gritty stuff like Tar Hole that he read recently uh at the Noir at the Bar thing and we played on our on our podcast to this which is like more of a mix of like humorous and and, and crime and stuff the dude just he's just great I just dude, really how like much, his stuff how different is this from the Tar Hole I was thinking this while I was reading it that's like not even the same guy right yeah. now and that's even talking to McBride when we were down in uh, Cord in Indiana, and he's telling us, you know, how different uh, Frank Sinatra in a Blender is from from the stories that he's got, um, you know, in the Noir at the Bar anthologies and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know how different could it be, but it's noticeably different. It's like significantly, it's a whole different tone and feel to it. Yeah, I think that. Um... This book has mass, mass appeal, too. I don't think that it's it's like not a niche genre book. I think that lots of different people could really wrap their 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 mind around a, a Nick Valentine. I will say this. I was a little worried when I read that name that it was a little too P.I. sounding. You know? Like yeah. it was headed in that direction. Um, and it totally didn't. Just didn't. Not even a little bit. So, Did you get the feel? Like, there was several times in the book where I was just thinking... I you know I have to imagine that one day this is going to be adapted for film in one way or another. It just had that very easily translatable to film feel to it. Um, I wasn't actively thinking of that, but I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now that you say that, yes, absolutely. Frank Sinatra in a blender, kicking ass. We really liked it. Loved it. It's like more McBride. That's what we need. More McBride. So that's it. That's all we got to talk about, right? Oh, yeah. I have a list. There are bullet points, man. Bullet <laughs> points on other stuff. Wow. This is the first um, time we've actually mentioned bullet points in the uh, podcast. It's significant. We have a significant amount of stuff to talk about. So i finally gotten over my uh, my aversion to Patterson watches. Because, <laughs> if you know, we really haven't had a Patterson watch since Zoo, and that was, what, two months ago? Maybe a little longer? Yeah, it was a while back. Uh, yeah. Any rate, just really quickly, I want to mention that um, uh, out now, out right now, you can go and purchase this right now. You can get it delivered by Saturday if you go on Amazon right now. You can get, are you ready for this? Merry Christmas, Alex Cross. And it's like uh, <laughs> it's like when you're uh, like you're out on a boat, you know? And you're you're trying to look to, down in the lake and see where like the bottom is, <laughs> and the bottom it's just like you think you know, but then you realize it's like way way lower than you thought. That's what yeah, Alex Cross can, books are. Can I can I read you the the description? I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> it's Christmas Eve, and Detective Alex Cross has been called out to catch someone who's robbing his church's poor box. That mission behind him, Alex returns home to celebrate with Bree, Nana, and his children. 
The tree decorating is barely underway before his phone rings again. A horrific hostage situation is quickly spiraling out of control. Away from his own family on the most precious of days, Alex calls upon every ounce of his training, creativity, and daring to save another family. Alex risks everything, and he may not make it back alive on this most sacred of family days. Alex Cross is a hero for our time, and never more so than in this story of family, action, and the deepest moral choices. Merry Christmas, Alex Cross, will be a holiday classic for years to come. A holiday classic for years. It's going to be, and I'm telling you, this is going to be right up there with a Christmas story. With uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Um, I don't know any other. Miracle on 34th Miracle, Street. I was going to say, yeah, Miracle on 34th Street. Um, the Grinch. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Charlie Brown Christmas. Yes. And Merry Christmas, Alex <laughs> Cross. Do you think we can get some of that like Jingle Bells music under me ringing or reading the, uh, the, the synopsis? That would be awesome. Um, I can, yeah, I'll see what I can do. Some yeah. sleigh bells. So, at any rate, now listen to this. It is priced at a very reasonable fourteen ninety nine for your Kindle, um, or fourteen ninety five hardcover. Oh, so it's four more cents for the ebook. Yeah, for the yeah. Oh, naturally. Basically. Yeah, I'm sorry, Amazon sixteen seventy, but you can get it new from fourteen ninety five through an Amazon partner. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, can't read. Can't wait to. Can't wait to read that Sorry. one. So we're going to spend our holidays, man. You know what occurred to me um, recently? Uh, there's mm. that Alex Cross movie, right? Is it out? Yes. And that Jack Reacher movie, right? Yes. Why don't we do like a like a, like a a double feature? Go see both of those. Um, what is that? What is that Valentine said? Either I'm going to wind up with a free handy or shooting <laughs> myself something or another. Banging her and shooting myself in the parking lot. Yeah, because that, that's what could happen if we went to see that. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right so i guess it's not the worst the best idea. worst worst idea you've had right. since we've been doing this podcast really yeah. oh, all right well i guess it's not that bad then patterson watched you just got patterson watched that's right um one thing i want to mention that we we uh we still have going on at least for the next couple of weeks is uh may december publications is doing a promotion where um they're giving away a book Every month for 2013 for one. 13 books. <laughs> for one lucky uh, enthusiastic reader. And essentially all you have to do is uh, get your hands on a May-December publication book. Uh, I would recommend the Midnight Movie Creature feature. Uh, is a good place to start if you're not sure where to go. And uh, all you have to do really is read the book, throw up a review on Amazon, and then just mention Booked. And that'll be essentially an entry into this promotion. And uh, they're going to draw a name, and someone's going to win a free book a month for 2013. You know, you know what's even cooler about that? What's that? I can almost guarantee you that one of the books you get in, in 2013 is going to have characters named after us. Uh, I like that. That's right. I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it for anybody who's going to get the book. It's coming out soon. I don't want to say too much about it. All I know is that. There are two um, very sexy podcasters that are going to be making an appearance in uh, one of Todd Brown's books. Nah, nothing wrong with that. That Todd Brown's okay. I like I like Todd a lot. We don't mention yeah. him enough. He's a good dude. He is a good dude. So, anyway, go read one of his books. Go give it a review. Mention that you heard it on Booked. Get yourself some free books. And, uh, you know, eh, 
who knows? I like free books. Free books are awesome. Do you know how cool it is that we get free stuff sent to us all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we should give some of it away. Do you want to give some away? I'd love to give something away. What do you want to give away? Uh, we recently received a very rare, very rare print edition of Shotgun Honey's uh, anthology, both barrels. Uh, Kent Gowron sent it over to us because he's a very nice and very thoughtful dude. And we're going to share the wealth and we're going to give it to someone. Now, isn't that isn't that wonderful of us? Uh, we are. We're, we're such giving people. We're givers. Um, how are we going to do it, though? We uh, I, A little showbiz magic here. We didn't talk about what we're going to do to give this away <laughs> before this moment right now. So this is happening. This is organic. It's happening live. As as we speak, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you some of the people that you're going to be able to find in this book while we do some heavy thinking on how we're going to give this away. So I'm going to mention primarily names that are familiar to this show. So you're going to get stories from, um, well, oh, okay, hold on a second. I'm going to mention, I don't know who this guy is, but Steve Weddle has a story in here called The Awakening from the Cyborg Lesbian Vampire Chronicles. How could you not want to get this book? Yeah. So names that may be familiar listeners, Ray Banks. Mm-hmm. Who we uh, who we reviewed way back when? Dead money. Nick Corbin, who is a uh, was one of our specialists that we had on to talk to us about uh, hard boiled fiction. It's got Matthew C. Funk, recent interviewee. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, it has. I'm trying to read this. It's got like 25 people in it. Dan O'Shea, who we mentioned De- moments ago. Detective Dan O'Shea. The detective Dan O'Shea. Frank Bill who we just had on in a reading a couple episodes ago. Um, and I think that's pretty much all the really like people we've either mentioned or have had on the show. But um, Patty Abbott is in this, Paul Brazil. Um, who, someone just mentioned Paul Brazil to us. Who was that? I feel like I hear that name all the time. Yeah, someone I maybe down in Corridan, I think someone mentioned him to us. Glenn Gray, who was in something we just read. Was he in Noir at the Bar too? I think, maybe? Huh? Huh? Yeah, maybe. I believe you're right. Yeah, look at that. The whole list, a whole list of goodies here available to you if only we can figure out how to do it. So what, um, what's easiest? Because <laughs> really that's all I care about. Um, well, I think we'll just have to do a, 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 a tweet slash Facebook share thing, and we'll just have to pull from people who share and or retweet our, uh, our uh, both barrels. We'll come up with some fun slogan, like, I just took it from both barrels and booked or something like that, then... All right, we're running with that because it sounds terrible and you came up with it. That's right. So uh, keep an eye out on your Twitter and on your Facebook. You are going to get a rare edition, both barrels, 29 Tales of Crime, um, and one smoking hottie on the cover wearing all leather and an eye patch. <laughs> it's pretty nice. It's a nice book. So so there you go. That's what we're going to do, giving, giving stuff away like it's Christmas. That's right. Um, so that's all the free stuff. Get some free May December publications books by uh, throwing some reviews on Amazon. Take a, take some barrels in the face to get a, a, a crime <laughs> anthology. <laughs> oh man, we should really we should really. Hey, you know we can't wrap this up. You know I know why. Someone's returning. Yeah. yeah, it has now been four episodes since we have heard book news. Well, let's not waste any time. Here's uh, Skip Papersley's triumphant return uh, to Booked with uh, Booked News. This is Skip Papersley with Booked News. Now for the news. 
flavor wire writer Emily Temple has composed a list of the ten grumpiest authors in history. On the list are some literary heavy hitters like Charles Bukowski, Patricia Highsmith, and Gore Vidal. On the top of the heap is Christopher Hitchens. Hitchens is best known for his scathing critiques of religion and his rampant sexism. This list proves once again that people should read more and the internet is running out of ideas. In other news, Book News is running its first retraction. Several weeks ago, Book News ran a story about how amusing it would be if there was a Game of Thrones cookbook. As it turns out, there is. And it's not funny, it's delicious. A Feast of Ice and Fire contains such mouth-watering recipes as beef and bacon pie, stuffed grape leaves, and rapey incest pudding. Now available in stores. Now the New York Times bestsellers in fiction recap. Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn is back, baby, at number five. The Panther by Nelson DeMille slinks down to number four. J.K. Rowling is still campaigning for people to like the casual vacancy at number three. Danielle Steele fucks her way to number two in The Sins of the Mother. Finally, The Rocketeer, a book about a man with a jetpack, is number one by John Grisham. This has been Book News. I'm Skip Papersley, signing off. <laughs> All right, that uh, that Danielle Steele, man, she's still figuring out a way to, to work her way onto that bestseller list, huh? Yeah, I got to say, I'm pretty happy for, for uh, Skip Papersley because his... Triumphant return to book coincides with uh, Gone Girl's triumphant return to the top five. Very happy about that. <clears throat> I am too. We probably should have read that, huh? Yeah. Well, we were too busy reading the Casual Vacancy. Yeah, I was listening to. Uh, I was listening to another podcast. Whoa. Um, what? <laughs> which I will call out because I really love. It. I've been listening to Slutty Lemon like every week religiously. Um. And uh, they were talking about the casual vacancy and how the Vatican, I don't know where they got this information, but the Vatican liked casual vacancy. Why would it? At least I think that's what they said. You may have to cut that whole thing out. Maybe they said the Vatican didn't like casual vacancy. No, they did. They did. They did. Never mind. Never mind. Why, I, I don't understand why the Vatican would even need to take a stance on that book. It's, it's... <laughs> I have no idea. I'll be honest. I didn't catch the lead up because I was listening at work and I was a little distracted. But the next thing I knew, they were talking about the Vatican and casual vacancy. Uh, nothing going on in Rome apparently right now. They, they, they're, taking, they're taking a vacation from persecuting the gays to uh, give J.K. Rowling the thumbs up. on. Uh... They probably have their own Vatican City book review podcast. It's like two guys sitting around with those big hats on. <laughs> every time, all right, yeah, and every time a new episode's done, they put white smoke up through a chimney. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, the Vatican likes that book. That's all right. Well, I, that, I'm not gonna hold it against them, but uh, again, like once more, the, me and the Vatican disagree. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Rob takes on the Vatican in this episode of Booked. Just a couple other things to mention. It seems that we have uh, run into some some snags um, that we had to archive some of our episodes. Can you explain the the scientific uh, reasons? um, for? for, uh... Yeah, I'm going to do a little bit of uh, podcasting 101 here. So um, podcasts uh, like iTunes and, and all the other places that you can get our podcast. The way they retrieve those is through a feed. Um, and essentially, we give a web URL that's a feed 
to these places and then they go and they find the links and they and they direct you basically to download our audio file from one centralized source so we need um of an x it's a it's a i think there's a specific file that gets created and updated every time you put more stuff on your feed and um those files can only be so big before the places that are retrieving your podcast feed are just like hey dude this isn't working and and like things stop updating essentially so um the file can only be such a you know x amount of size after that it just stops working so our podcast is so gigantic and awesome we have so many episodes that uh our feed uh file got too big and it stopped sending stuff over to itunes we had to make a choice to cut off um available episodes after a certain point so Essentially, now we're at the point where the latest 90 episodes are available through iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Podcast.com, all the weird random places we're at. Actually, not even Stitcher, because Stitcher for... They're like six or seven, right? um, On iOS, they do 10, the most recent 10. I think it might... I don't know if it's the same with all different platforms, but uh, places like iTunes, if you go to iTunes, you're only going to be able to get the most recent 90, which means... This is kind of like... I'm going to make a Stephen King reference. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Did you... Uh, the Langoliers? You know, like... you know, like Those weird fucked up animals that are eating the past? Like... You know what I'm talking about? I'm not actually familiar with that. I know, I know of the title, but I never read that one. So the idea is these people get stuck in time, I think. I'm not really... I didn't obviously didn't pay a ton of attention to it, but... Uh, these people get stuck in time and there's these like creatures that eat um like time is actually like exists in different places so like if you're not in the current time and you end up somehow stuck in a specific time that ends up in the past the reality gets eaten up by these monsters so the people have to escape them it's really messed up so um i would just look at it that way those are the ones that are getting eaten that part of our feed is getting eaten up by Stephen King monsters. <laughs> and uh, that doesn't mean the episodes have gone away, though. They're just not going to be available <laughs> through iTunes. <laughs> Can I just say that was so much more entertaining? I wish you would have said that instead of that. There's this XML file, and you know it's got to be uploaded. You just sort of said, it's being eaten by Stephen King monsters, and that's it. All right. So. Um, sorry, I had to go into the whole thing. I had to make it sound like I had to legitimize the fact that like people need to understand that there is work that goes into this and like an actual amount of knowledge. Um, so and magic, a little bit of magic, some monsters. So <laughs> Stephen King monsters have eaten everything beyond 90 episodes ago, but they still exist on our website. So all you need to do, we've gone in and made a handy tag, tagged anything that's X episodes older, uh, with an archive tag. So, uh, on the front page of the website now, if you go to bookedpodcast.com, and I'm going to go there right now so I can tell you exactly where to go. You'll see some featured posts, and then you're going to see recent posts below that. Uh, keep scrolling down, and you're going to see uh, a little thing that says archives. And it's going to be a random of five posts that are archives. Uh, anywhere, uh, you can go in there and see you know, some of our archives, but you can catch every episode that doesn't show up in iTunes anymore in um, our archive tag as well. So even though... They're not available on iTunes anymore. They're always going to be there. Right now, we're pretty much cut off most of the way through the Warmed and Bound sessions. So I'm thinking I might actually make a link 
somewhere prominently on the front page to the warm and mount session so you can get them all on one page but um yeah and there's yeah. some good stuff on there too and people keep listening i mean we continue to see downloads for the warmed and bound sessions which is great and one of the reasons we want to make sure to mention it is that if you're a new listener there's some really good stuff there and uh just because you were late getting on the train we don't want you to have missed you know the a lot of the good stuff that we brought your way so you know it's archived right now no idea david james keaton and our ZBNB interview oh See, that's just great stuff. Keaton's key. We're going to get an email from Keaton like 10 minutes. Where's the episode? Where's my interview? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can, can I mention, I have one more thing, and I know Rob probably was looking at this bullet point, but what the hell is he talking about? So the other day I'm at work, I get an email, and it says, you have a voicemail. And I go, that's really weird because I have an app that actually like loads my voicemails. I go into the email, and I go, this is, I don't understand why my app isn't working. And I look, and it's to the booked podcast email. So I go, huh, we got a a call from somebody. (laughs) So this old lady calling a wrong number. So, But I got so excited, and I thought, you know what? We haven't mentioned that we have a voicemail phone number since our one-year anniversary, I think. Yeah. What episode was that? Uh, It was a long time ago. 90. No idea. All right. Go on. 90 was lost. Okay. Any rate. We need to mention the voicemail number in case someone who's not a wrong number checking in on some other elderly friend who I'm thinking now probably she thinks is dead because she never called back. Um, <laughs> we should call her back while we're recording the podcast. Oh, if only it wasn't like 1030 at night. Yeah. That's a genius idea. At any rate, Rob, would you happen to have that phone number handy? I have no idea what the number is. All right. So if you go back and listen, we probably gave this phone number out a long time ago. <laughs> That's horrible. What do you mean we don't know? God damn it. There's got to be a way to know, right? All right. After a little bit of research, (laughs) we found our voicemail number. It is area code 773-599-1057. If you're paying careful attention, that spells out absolutely nothing. No, it's the one that's like 1866 book. No, it's 10KP, 10,000 pages, which is my, uh, my goal for reading for the year. 1057 is 10KP. Wow. How do you like that? That's that's pretty cool. Pretty boring. <laughs> that is pretty boring. Hold on a second. Let's see if we can make this happen. Hold on. Hi, Bonnie. It's Marianne. I was just calling to see how you were doing. Bye. That's the voicemail we got. Um, If you want to call Mary, her number is. <laughs> <laughs> any rate, Mary, Mary's probably really upset that her other elderly friend never called back. So Her elderly friend who might be named Bonnie? It could be Bonnie. All right, so anyway, what Livius is getting at is uh, we have a phone number that you can call and leave messages to, even if you're just calling to see how we're doing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're calling to check and see if we've talked to Mary at all lately. That's right. Sean Ferguson, big fan of calling and leaving us rambling messages about watching his neighbors take trash out to the to the street um uh just ruminations on life i think he was looking for dating advice recently um all right maybe not dating advice but anyway uh uh so yeah just call and leave us any kind of message if it's entertaining enough we might uh like we just did now play it on the uh, episode of the podcast with or without your permission because i guarantee you mary did not give us her her permission to do that she did not. So, any rate, do we know what's uh, what's up next, Rob? Yeah, you know, we talked a few episodes back about uh, some indie books that uh, you know we had caught our attention, but we weren't sure whether we were going to be able to read, and we decided to read one of them. So, if you remember, we talked about a book 
where there was a paraplegic with a monkey who was killing what is it drunk drivers? Yes. Yeah. Hit and run. Hit and drunk. Hit and run drivers. Drunk. Yeah. Just drunk drivers. He's kill. She's killing somebody. He's killing somebody. Yeah. I don't know. So it's called Hard Bite by Anonymous Nine, which we liked because it's a uh, a person whose name is Anonymous Nine, published by Blasted Heath, and um, yeah, that's what we're gonna be reading next because uh, really, who could resist reading a book about a paraplegic and a monkey? It's such a great Thanksgiving themed book. Yeah. Makes me think of my friend Adam, who's in a wheelchair, and um, I know he listens to this, and that's one of the reasons I want to <laughs> I want to mention him because he he listened to that episode and he was all excited about a paraplegic and a monkey, and he's like, "How could you not mention me?" So, Adam, <laughs> uh, here, there's a whole big story which I can't go into because I don't have enough information. I don't know how to get into it, but um, so Adam's in a wheelchair. Is his he has a limited amount of functionality in his legs, and there was this article a long time ago about how scientists were um, doing experiments with monkeys to <laughs> have basically prosthetic legs or robotic legs that were controlled by the monkey brains with the idea of eventually, you know, testing it and, and having it work with humans because paraplegic monkeys probably not that big of a priority for <laughs> prosthetic legs. Um and so he was fascinated by this idea of, you know, robotic legs and everything. But his whole joke was something about how, like, <laughs> what if the monkey doesn't go where he wants to? Like, as if the monkey I, were yeah, still I, controlling I, the I, legs. Yes, 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 I understood. <laughs> so, uh, big shout out to Adam in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, whose legs don't work. <laughs> and that's about all I've got for that. This this has just gone so far south. Oh, I knew we were gonna be reading a monkey book. I just wasn't sure if it was gonna be this monkey book or the other monkey book that we were talking about. It's funny that we have so many monkey book choices right now. I know, and you know we're totally gonna to compare this to uh, to, to zoo. Yeah. We're gonna see which monkey's better. If this monkey has a red hat, I'm uh, I don't know. Crying foul. Yeah, I'm going to cry foul on it. All right. Until next time, I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. Infinite.